Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Lyft podcast series. Our podcasts feature Lyft members as well as people and organizations who can help you be more successful in your business and your life. My name is Hans Peter Meyer, and I'm the founder of Lyft Startups, and I'm your host on this series. If you want to be part of our award-winning Lyft community on Vancouver Island, please join us at liftstartups.ca. Good morning, Fabian. Good morning, Hans. How are you? I'm good. And hi, everybody who's listening. Today, I'm talking with uh, Fabian Gendron. He's with Duncan and Company Co. in Comox. Uh, so, Fabian, tell me about a bit about yourself and uh, and the business. What kind of business is it? Uh, so, we're a chartered professional accountant firm, CPA firm, uh, by by tradition. There. Um, so we try to work with business um, as advisors. Uh, we do the tax compliance and all that, but we try to, and that's kind of what other CPA firms do in town, but we try to go beyond that and work uh, a little bit closer with small businesses um, on what we call cloud integration. Um, so setting up the back office, um, the bookkeeping, the payroll, the project management, the marketing and all of those, so that it kind of all works hands in hands in an integrated system. Um, it makes it a little bit easier for the, the owner there to, to manage their business. Are, aren't there concerns about putting that kind of, especially financial information into the cloud? How, like how, do, you, how do you address client concerns about that? Uh, so with that one, we, uh, we do follow best practices for um, how we go about it. So, and we actually have a few blog posts that, you know, and they were the first blog posts that we posted because that was so important. Um, but all the software we work with, we ensure that there's encryption at transit and, and at rest. Um, and then usually what we get from there is that the encryption key is your password. And so then we kind of help clients figure out good habits with passwords, uh, using a password manager, making strong passwords, and so on and so forth, setting up multi-factor authentication uh, when needed. So that's when you get a code sent to your uh, phone or, or your email to confirm who you are or that you're trying to log in. Right. Um, so when you have all of those set up in place, I mean, I think, um, you know, it, it's one of those where uh, we've had lots of talk about that. I think what you have with the cloud and moving things to the cloud is actually you have generally more security because you're going to get hosted on a server, you know, maybe Amazon Web Services uh, down in the state, and they have physical guards there with machine guns. They have security <laughs> cameras. They have the, the anti-hacker team there full-time. So the actual security is good. What you're mm-hmm. losing is control. Um, so, you know, traditionally we had a server here, you know, in our firm at the, in the back corner there, and it's secure only because nobody's wanting to get into it. Right. If somebody wants to get into it, you know, the security, you know, uh, like, you know, we're not, we're not set up, you know, we got the basic stuff. We have the antivirus, we've got the, uh, the passwords and all those kind of things and the encryption. But, you know, the reality is that it's not up to the same level. Uh, somebody so wanted. the cloud is actually safer than what a lot of us are if, if that we've been getting for the last few years or last yeah. 10 to 20 years. Yeah. If you, if you use properly, uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know what, if you have your desktops on, you know, and every piece of financial information save on your desktop, you know, how, how safe is your desktop, you know, if somebody was breaking into your house and yeah. seeing that and, and being able to twinkle with the hard drive kind of thing, right? So so it's the way to look I at it. I certainly don't have somebody with machine guns standing at my door. 
No, exactly, right? And so <laughs> it's not feasible for us to have that. So you can leverage the, the best, but yeah, it does need to come, or ideally it would come with best practices. Right. And software will, um, will recommend, will come with, uh, you know, well, they'll all offer encryption and, and password, um, but they also offer multi-factor authentication. So as long as you've got a cell phone, usually, you know, somebody wanted to hack into you, they would need to, you know, ideally crack a strong password and then have your phone to be able to confirm who they are to. And so right. that'd be pretty tough. How long have you been working in accounting? Uh, I started the accounting path back in 2005, um, kind of from, from uh, you know, started at the bottom of the ladder there and worked my way up and, and uh, got my CPA and so on and so forth, yeah. And what, what, what got you started? Like, why, why did uh, you have... <laughs> Okay, so I had moved here and I loved the valley and the, the island. So where'd you uh, move from first? Um, I'm from Quebec originally. Uh-huh. Uh, so I grew up there uh, in my 20s. I sort of traveled uh, up and down or left and right in Canada. I went to the Maritimes for a little bit, went to BC, uh, the Whistler, Squamish area, um, and then came to the island after that. Um, and so there was some back and forth all throughout in there. Uh, but I got here and really loved the area. And, and at the time, I was working as a chef, as a laborer, uh, landscaping and farm and stuff like that. Um, and you know, kind of was easy to travel with, with those kind of skills. And then I got here and I wanted to uh, be able to afford the land. So I got a little bit older, probably, you know, 24, 25 and, you know, met my spouse, uh, fell in love and I wanted to settle down a little bit more. And I thought, um, you know, I needed to get a serious job. And, uh, and I had done, I was actually at the time helping a fellow uh, get a farm, um, then then I set up and started, and I was involved in the sort of bookkeeping, budgeting, and that kind of stuff. And so I kind of applied those skills to to get started as as a bookkeeper. Right. Are you passionate uh, about being an accountant? I am. Yeah. 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 So why what what fuels your passion? Uh, you know what? It's really awesome to be able to work with um, businesses and individual too, like you know, and be able to help them plan their future. Um, you know, achieve their goals, achieve their visions. You're talking about some of the people that are, you know, somewhat, you know, you got to be driven to be, um, you know, running a business. Mm -hmm. um, and so you're talking about some very motivated people that have some some great visions, some great goals, and you can play a part in there. And I think that's really fascinating. Uh, and you get to learn about, you know, how to run a business from the inside. Like I'll always tell our clients that, you know, they're, they're the expert into running their business, whether that's a restaurants or a, a contracting, you know, business or something like that. Uh, so they're, they're ex the expert in their business, but I'm an expert in businesses in general. Right, right. And, um, yeah. With Duncan and Company, do you call it Duncan and Company or you call it Duncan, Duncan and Co.? I've already referred to a couple of times. Yeah, and like the the official trading name is Duncan and Company, but yeah, it's a bit more of a mouthful, and so everybody shortens it to Duncan and Co. So, who is your target audience or target market for Duncan and Co.? Is it specifically Comox Valley? Are you reaching far beyond that? No way. Sector? Yeah, it's more. Um, you know, I would say we generally target people that have a company that have uh, seems to be a sweeter spot for people that have fewer than 50 employees. Mm -hmm. um, and then in terms of what we can do for who, like if it's a small business on a shoestrings, we can do more of the, the help set up a system. 
Um, we can offer training and support um, and maybe kind of like, you know, fee-sensitive fee wise, like kind of, you know, help them do it themselves a little bit. And yeah. once they grow to a place where they're, you know, their business is proven, they're more profitable and they're more stable, then we can sort of step in for the, um, you know, some bookkeeping uh, payroll and, and, and more uh, advanced advice and stuff like that. Um, so like, you know, I'd say like the 50 employees, you know, we have a few clients beyond that, um, but they're, they tend to use our service differently because they'll have usually at that size, you know, somebody internally that can offer some of the things that we do for smaller firms. Right. Uh, in terms of industry, we are very well set up to uh, deliver value for service-based business. So food service, the creatives, the contractors, the professionals. Um, we also love, uh, we call them kind of crafters, um, but the small manufacturing business that you know transform you know whether they're uh, uh, food uh, you know producing manufacturing food or or some some equipment or some supplies mm-hmm. uh, yeah we like working with those and we've got some on the technology side we, we have some good tools there that we can kind of bring to the table there to uh, help them automate their business and I, I'm not sure if you answered or, or if I didn't hear it but are, are you just limited to the Comox Valley or do you have clients far beyond here no we actually uh we're set up to do zoom meeting and all that and screen shares and you know because we work on the cloud uh we actually have uh more and more clients like i I would say the furthest one that we have right now is somebody that's in uh europe uh that's invested in some businesses here but we need to respond with him on a regular basis and so he's got a you know business here management place management team in place here and then he's uh, back in Europe for the bulk of the year um, and so we can you know jump on a zoom call and and uh, work that out we've had some clients in the states for some specific business that we're expert in uh, helping them kind of troubleshoot a few things and so so those are kind of the extreme but I would say like you know on the uh, 90% of our clients I would say are Vancouver Island and Sunshine Coast mm-hmm. um, yeah. Do you <clears throat> excuse me? Does uh, do you have a vision for growing the company uh, much bigger than it is right now? Uh, yeah, yeah, like we, yeah, we uh, we have certain certainly a goal to get bigger. I think it's because it's a service business that or that side of the business. You know, it's based on on knowledge and and know how mm-hmm. uh, and being able to kind of take that intellectual property and and scaling it. Um, you know, I can see us getting to the one to one point five million dollars in gross revenue. You know, with a relatively modest team and somewhat similar system, mm-hmm. uh, I think we'll probably somewhere around there. We'll probably hit kind of a, a ceiling where we need to, you know, uh, change our like, you know, get very systematized process. Like I think right now the the know how we're a team of of uh, six going on to seven soon. Um, and you know the the know-how kind of gets transferred by chatting and and just being in the same office space and all that. I think to get the, you know, much bigger than the 1.5 million, we'll have to be able to uh, sort of systemize all of that things. And so there'll be, you know, so I think how big can it get? I think it can get much bigger than that. There's accounting firms that are you know making billions of dollars in there, like the the KPMG and all of that. But you know, right. the other part is whether we want to get that big. Um, uh, but yeah, I think we can. I think with this iteration of our setup, I think we can probably, um, you know, increase by, uh, and that would be, for us, that would be a, a three or four fold increase kind of thing. 
what um like so you're you're like you as you said you're you're a knowledge-based service industry what what limits your growth i mean where do you get your knowledge base um you know are, are the schools is the local school is our vancouver island schools pumping out enough people are there enough people moving here um there is so north island college has actually been awesome at uh, it's got a great um it's got kind of three levels there's a sort of a office admin bookkeeping kind of certificate and there's a two-year diploma mm-hmm. in accounting and then there's a full four-year bachelor of admin that they offer so they've been actually yeah we we've been able to get some great talents from from them and they offer co-ops and internships and stuff, stuff like that so anyway it's been actually an awesome uh um source for hiring people so from that perspective there's the staff there i think the the thing that would be great to see maybe is yeah i think they're still teaching you know kind of software from the 90s Mm -hmm. um and so uh, um yeah like to see the you know the the software being taught um because they do touch on the software like the software being taught being something that's a bit more modern um you know it's inevitable they will be get get there but i think it's just you know what transpires the reality is that what we do in the valley is fairly unique. There's, you know, there's other people uh, in Victoria that offer this sort of cloud focus that we do. Um, but I think if you talk to other, and there's a couple of bookkeepers here in town that will do it. But in terms of a CPA firm going that far in depth into integrating all this, uh, the software, I think we're the only one north of Victoria that do do it. Okay. And, um, cool. And so that's, uh, yeah. So that's kind of a a place where there's room to grow. And I think like, probably in the next five years, we'll probably see a lot more of, of the other accounting software uh, or accountants in town offer that because the reality is that it's it's a quite a bit of a game changer for how you do business with clients. Right. Um, you know, you we used to, you know, if you have a desktop software and you want advice, uh, so if you have a desktop accounting software for your businesses and you want advice, mid-year on you know buying a business investing in something or selling your business or whatever it is uh you know transferring that information and having it up to date to your accountant and all that kind of stuff you know there's, there's so many f- place for frictions and things to go wrong in that um you know whether your actual bookkeeping is up to date whether it's all accurate uh and so on and so forth whereas with the cloud I can log in at any time. We can be both looking at the same screen. We can be poking around. If they have something that they don't know, all you know, maybe a client does their own bookkeeping. They don't know what to record something. They'll send us the details. We can go in and, and record it for them. Uh, make sure it all works. Um, so, so you got a business that all of a sudden has, uh, you know, in addition to usually it's much more streamlined and automated in terms of doing the bookkeeping, but you also get a business that's got the information that's accurate in a much faster fashion than, than it used to be. Um, and so you can make better business decisions from, from that and, and plan for the future and you know, get to your goals a little faster, ideally. Right. Um where can so we're we're coming to the end of this first part of the um of the uh, <clears throat> of of the podcast um the next couple of questions are uh, uh related to more about you and your business so what's what's your favorite thing about your business today um i think it would be the people um like you know the clients on the team like it's it's we work with a uh, 
you know, we have about seven people or soon to be seven people on our team and it's kind of a really nice culture. Everybody gets along very well and, and can, uh, there's room to grow. We have kind of an open door policy and that's great. And I think uh, one of the things that we do with our clients, um, like in a traditional accounting firm, and I don't know if, if the people listening to that have that same experience, but you know, most most accounting firms will build by the hour. And, and so we've, made a conscious choice to we still offer that in some cases but we made a conscious choice to do more fixed billings uh Mm -hmm. do an upfront quote or we'll do uh where it's um what's appropriate we'll do a monthly uh fee and and usually that includes you know unlimited uh support so you can call us anytime and you know you won't be on the clock and and uh you know the price up front and we also have a a satisfaction guarantee where you know if you don't Think that you know if you think you've paid too much for what you we've delivered to you, you know just pay us what you think it's worth. So between all of that, <laughs> it's been re-refreshing the relationship, the type of relationship that we have with our clients. You know, I I can pick up the phone and there's not, you know, a like people call us a lot more because they're not right. thinking that the they know that the clock is not ticking on the background. So if they right. need us, they just call us, and so we get to be well a lot more involved than what I've experienced in different firms that I've worked at. Um, yeah. So I think that's probably, I would th- yeah, that's probably the best thing about the business is kind of getting to that little deeper level of, of, uh, of collaboration with businesses. Cool. Clients. That's really interesting. So what are three things that people don't know about your business? So, you know, we know that you're an accountancy, we know that you're a cloud, uh, your focus is a lot of cloud work. We know that you've got clients uh, across North America and, and even into Europe. Uh, what is something that we don't know about your business? Uh, well, I guess that's, that, that was probably three things that not everybody knew up front uh, about our business. Um, if I have to say three other things there, I would be... Hmm, um, hold on a second, I got the phone call on the other line getting rid of um the other thing actually that comes up so so we do the fixed fee pricing and all that the, we have the yeah. software expertise uh, but beyond that we actually have a software developer uh on our team oh. and so so we do work with um and and you know he's got some some other things but we do work on developing our our own software mm-hmm. we've developed a couple of little tools to help us integrate a few different pieces together within our firm and, and for clients to uh, converting, you know, say from one desktop software to the a cloud software. So we got some tools that kind of help us automate that. And, and there's an opportunity for other little software like that. So uh, mo- lots of the software we work with in terms of the cloud software, we work with Zero a lot. Um, have Workflow Max, which is a project management. We have, um, anyway, you know, receipt automation, um, We've got payment system, and and so sometimes we'll you know do they often have open API, and so we'll be able to go in there and play and connect the two together kind of thing, and and make them do things that were not necessarily anybody. So so that's actually another thing that's kind of interesting about our businesses, and and there's you know a place for that to potentially grow, and and you know you know could become a, an actual software company at some point, or, or branch out into. Uh, developing actual software for market right wow. now it's a little bit internal but um yeah i think if yeah possibly as we there. 
Okay, so as we close this first part of the uh, interview, the podcast, can you just tell us uh, the, uh, how can people find you? Where can they find you online? And let's give us a telephone number as well. Uh, well, we have a website, duncanandco.ca. Uh, and so that's um, the Duncan A-N-D co.ca. Um, you'll find the company and myself on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, and, and if you're actually in the Comox Valley, um, then we're just in Comox at the corner of Church Street and, um, uh, and then Comox Avenue there. Um, so okay. Between all of those, yeah. Okay, thanks a lot, Fabian. We'll uh, take a short break here and then we'll come right back and we're going to talk about you as an entrepreneur and as a, a person Sounds involved good. in business. Great. All right, Bye-bye. thanks. back Fabian thank you and uh, welcome back everybody in case you missed the first part of this podcast um, I'm talking to Fabian Dunk <laughs> sorry Fabian Gendron uh, an accountant with Duncan and Co in the Comox Valley they've got a clients across North America and they've got a focus on providing solutions for I would say small to medium-sized business uh, Fabian is that fair yeah, yeah. yeah. Small to, and, and with a real focus on, on uh, contemporary or current technology and um, uh, interesting stuff there. But now we're going to talk about you and uh, some of your, your life and, and the things that interest you. So my, my first question is basically, what was your biggest failure and what did it teach you? Um, I think my biggest failure would be to uh, put it on paper. I think I've, I've gone into uh, some employment relationships before and, and some other uh, financial dealings like that with a handshake. And, uh, and you know, maybe at some point or another, you know, there came to be a misunderstanding on, on to what was supposed to happen at some point or, or some aspects of the, the, uh, the agreement there. So I think that would be the, the biggest thing that, you know, kind of got me burnt. Uh, so now everything you do, you do on, you write it down and get agreements. Yeah. That's just, yeah. You know, you don't need to make it super fancy if that's, you know, if you want to be on the shoestring, but you know, if you put it down and you can both sign on it, um, it, I, it would have, have, have I done that? It would have saved me a couple times some griefs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, has mentorship or community played a role in your success as a, as a business person? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think I've got the bulk of the, you know, like what we do in terms of the, the cloud bookkeeping and all of that, uh, you know, it's, it's, Ahead of the curve in Canada here, there's, there's very few firms that do it. If you go to New Zealand and Australia, uh, it's actually the norm there. And so, um, you know, we, I connected with other accountants um, in terms of community and, and mentorship in those areas there. Uh, there's a group in North America called Thrival um, that's also uh, kind of accounting for the brave uh, is their motto a little bit. So it's trying to challenge um, how you run an accounting firm and that's been great community and then my business partner here Kent Duncan um, he's got lots of experience and, and knowledge and uh, he's been good at uh, sort of bringing me on board and and, uh, and passing on some of some of his knowledge and, and uh, wisdom cool <clears throat> are you a reader uh, yes I am yeah what was your favorite book as a child? That's a tough one. It goes back. Um, 
I have some French Canadian to start with. So um, there was a, a book that I read when I was probably a teenager, 15, 16, uh, called The Ants and the concept of it or the, the, uh, the, yeah, the context of it was uh, essentially written from the perspective of an ant and you know, living in its colony and all that. And it was kind of like, you know, parcel with, there was kind of a, fiction part of it and then some science snippets throughout it mm-hmm. and kind of made you realize that you know um you know we think of us as human as being you know super evolved and and very special beings and it kind of made me realize that you know this this room even like on a scientific basis like there was a fiction part but on a scientific basis you know this every creature on on this planet you know, as a, a life and an internal life that that's very unique and, and very special. And so, you know, the ants, for example, like, you know, they've been here for hundreds of millions of years since, you know, past dinosaurs. They are farming. They can grow mushroom. They, they actually uh, really they farm wow. uh, a little bug called, um, uh, I can't remember the green bugs, I think in English. But anyway, they kind of produce a little sort of honey. Aphids? So, aphids, aphids, yeah. Yeah, just kind of yeah. an aphids of that, that the, um, the, the ants will kind of, you know, uh, corral and, and take care of on their leaves and, and harvest the honey from them. And so they're farming, they're doing warfare from an ant colony to the other. And so they have quite a bit of things going on that you think, you know, are evolved, you know, skills that we've created, right? And so, um, so that was interesting. And, and when you consider, you know, how long they've been around and they've been able to do it sustainably on, on the planet and how we know in the last, you know, whatever, 10,000 years or, or whatever you want to call it, we sort of like, you know, have growth and we're kind of reaching to a place of top capacity on the planet too. Um, you know, it's sort of a, an inspirational bit of, of how, it's not necessarily that inherently we are, you know, unable to make it work on this planet. You know, this this creatures on this planet are making it worth with with sort of, you know, sustaining a colony and all of those kind of things. But anyway, probably one on, but it was a pre-inspiring book for me and kind of said the kind of opened my eyes to to a different view of the world a little bit than yeah. what TV and MTV had done up to that point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What's your favorite book as an adult? Um, it's probably a lot, but I will pick Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, just in terms of the impact it has on my life, I, I read it a couple times, and every time, you know, I really like the prioritizing your value. I've got, you know, I think it's helped me kind of make, um, be able to adapt to change in my life. You know, there's been progression, like, you know, you, we, I've got four kids. It's taking a lot of energy. Um, uh-huh. There's sacrifice that needs to come for that. And, you know, being able to prioritize your value and see what's important really helps you make the best of the little bit of time and energy and resources that you have and see where it needs to go. Um, I also apply on a day-to-day basis the, you know, the concept of, of what's your areas of concern, things that, you know, worries you and what's your area of influence, uh, what, what other things you can do something about, right? So, so don't spend too much energy on areas of concern if you cannot influence them too. Um, and and I still work on the what's urgent versus what's important kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, it's uh, a daily uh, reminder and exercise. But yeah, uh, yeah. So anyway, there's there's quite a few things that it brought into you know that, that I try to apply more or less on a daily basis. But yeah. 
Okay. Oh, that's a great book. It's been a while since I've read it, and, I, and thanks for reminding me about it. Um, what are you reading right now? Uh, we've got a nice book called They Ask You Answer, which is a business book. It's uh, about marketing, content marketing, and sort of um, inbound marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's sort of a that simple way to put it in terms of like, you know, what should your content be? And, and how should, you know and how far can you go right like and they're kind of uh, challenging some of the things you might not want to talk about but they're saying like the reality is that you you know if your clients you know are looking at your services or, or somebody's looking at your services they want to have those answers like you know, how much is it gonna cost you know why what are you not good for like what you know what should you what should they go somewhere else to to get and and mm-hmm. being very candid and, and kind of hitting that uh, level of honesty in in how you uh yeah and what you do for marketing yeah well we were at the um <clears throat> at the marketing roundtable the other day you were talking about uh that you are writing blog posts and, and i've ser- i've seen some of the stuff that you've shared with lift members about um, you know, uh, cloud co- computing options and and, um, and stuff like that. So, so you're finding this book is like is, is super helpful in terms of what you're writing. Uh, well, yeah, and I'm writing it right now. So as I'm doing that, like my sort of blog, uh, my lineup of blog subjects, uh, it kind of is is tweaking a little bit because I think I was doing that thing where I was, you know, as much as I want to bring value to the client, I was writing writing it from a very like you know. Uh, from very much from my perspective, like, you know, I was recommending stuff, you know, talking about software, talking about, you know, best practice for this and that, and, and it's got some value. Um, but I think like, you know, reading this one is, you know, take a question that a client has asked you and answer that question, uh, you know, take it, right. you know, make it anonymous and answer it because that's the one that they care about. Right. And so I think some of my previous blog posts were maybe a little bit technical and, and, um, yeah, kind of answering my own questions right, uh, right. about some some items. Uh, I'm sure I would love to read them from, uh, from if they were written by somebody else. But yeah, I'll do. Uh... <laughs> okay. So here's another one. Um, what's the smartest thing you've ever done? Um, I think um, starting out on the care on the the career path to to uh, you know bookkeeping and CPA. Um, I think I was mentioning that like at the uh, uh, in the previous segment that, you know, I became a CPA because I was looking at the price of real estate around here and I wanted to settle down. And, and you know, that was back in 2004, 2005. And at the time, you know, 40 acre with a small house uh, was going for about a quarter of a million dollars. And, you know, I needed a serious job and I needed to make a good solid 15 bucks an hour to, to be able to afford something here. And so did the switch to bookkeeping and then, you know, worked in some firms, worked my way up, uh, and then became a CPA kind of all, you know, in, in that five year there. And, and that's been, uh, you know, I, I love the work that we do. I love the, the people that we work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's kind of one of those taking the bull by the horn kind of thing. You know, I needed to add a, a making money problem. And so I went straight for it and said like, okay, you know, I'll do business work and studied that and, and so she did a master in the subject kind of thing right and so yeah what's the dumbest thing you've ever done um i used to 
have a, probably in my early 20s when I was traveling a lot and all that, I, I got into yoga and I had a very good practice of yoga. And at some point in between studying and, and starting a family and all that, it <laughs> fell off the radar. Uh, but my body's feeling it now. So, so I think, you know, kind of not keeping up or making room for even a, a small amount. And, you know, it's on my, again, like I, we now have four kids and uh, yeah. a couple of them, but we got twins that are under two. And so it's, I'm finding a hard time to reintegrate that, but that's uh, really on the sort of goal list to uh, to get to a place where my evenings are quiet enough that I can yoga mat. I can relate. I, I had uh, a very good yoga practice before my children were born, and then it, <clears throat> it kind of fell off, except for when I was away working. Then it seemed like I would just get as much yoga in as I could. And then um, at, when my kids were a bit older, I would just make a point of getting up like an hour before everybody else <clears throat> so that I had some uh, quiet time for myself. But it was hard to squeeze that in. Yeah. And I, I know my body certainly uh, felt it. What's the scariest thing you've ever done and, and how did you get through it? Well, that's a very... Um... I would think taking on four children would be pretty scary, but um, I don't know. Well, maybe there's something else. You know what? It's actually uh, it was not that that scarier. Like we we had the you know first our first daughter and then a, a son, and then we kind of got the, decided to have a, a third baby, and then we got blessed with twins. And, <laughs> and the reality is, uh, I think once you you know the biggest shock is probably the first children. I think in in, yeah. in my experience, you know once you've got the once you're in the parenting mode. And, you know, the second children adds a little bit of, it's not so much a shock as another ball to juggle, in my opinion. And then twins, I mean, we have a nice spread between the the first two children and the twins. There's uh, nine and six. So we actually have some help now. But anyway, so with the twins, it was kind of like, you know, two more balls. But, you know, by that time, you kind of know what kids are about and what, you know. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, the so anyway, so that's not uh, necessarily the scariest thing. Um, I mean, I've had, you know, buying into the firm here has, has had, you know, uh, uh, you know, you plan for it. And I mean, probably that uh, most of the listeners that are entrepreneurs and starting a business kind of, there's a moment there where you're, you know, at the edge of the cliff and you have to jump, right? Yeah. And And you try to have the parachute, you know, as well built as you can before you do the jump. But there's a little, always a little bit of room where, still going to be building the parachute as you're falling um so yeah so i think that's probably some of the of the things that you know it's like if and yeah so um so i would think that's probably one of the i don't know if there's excitement too so it's yeah it's a tough question to answer there's excitement in there but i think there's a part that's kind of the scare and the uncertainty uh compared to a you know fixed salary or, or a fixed job kind of thing where you don't have you, know, you just have to show up kind of thing yeah so, um, how, do you, so how do you manage that, that, that uh you know what i've well i got the advantage that i'm in, I'm in the business advising business and i know businesses so i think we did a lot of planning like all the, the things that we preach to our clients um we try to do as best as we can so we've got a you know a business plan and it's on the cloud and it's integrated with our actual so that we can look at it sort of on a monthly or quarterly basis and see you know do we meet meet our goals and things like that and adjust uh, as we need um yeah so so i think planning and you know 
kind of laying out the land and and making time to touch in and and see and assess where you are at uh, mm -hmm. in that process has been how we've been able to and you know, to the extent that I'm still going through it. I mean, it's that part that I think is never re. Uh, uh, it's not gonna presumably go away. I think you're always gonna be, you know. Uh, kind of at that place where, you know, what do you need to do? You know, challenge, in my experience, business, you know, there's there's good problems and bad problems, but there's usually always some problems to kind of address to either get to the next place of growth or, or make it run smoothly or, or you know, uh, worst cases, you know, avoid closing down or having to lay off people, things like that. So, um, so yeah, it's all an ongoing process of, you know, make a plan, make a goal, monitor it, you know, reassess, adjust the plan and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. Cause I know that, um, you know, from the work that I'm doing and, and, uh, the work that, that I, you know, that, that I hear about and talk to people in, in, in left, uh, most of whom are relatively early stage, um, entrepreneurs. Uh, there's a lot of, um, just a lot of transition going on and, um, and certainly I don't plan enough. So, that's good. That's good. Good reminder. Now, this the next question is is something that I borrowed from Tim Ferriss from his Tribe of Mentors podcast. It's um, what new belief, behavior, or habit adopted within the last five years is having the most positive impact in your life today. Um, there's a couple of things that I've played together that I've. You know, I, I think it's, you know, I've got a business, I've got the family, and there's lots of juggles within that. And so some of the um, some of the tools that I've had, you know, I think the seven habits I've played a role into that mm -hmm. uh, in terms of bringing focus to what's really important. Uh, I've also been following the, I don't know if people are familiar with it, but Mr. Money Mustache uh, blog. And so she kind <laughs> no, of... I don't uh, know that one. It's interesting. It's just a guy that essentially... You know, um, I think the precept is that the guy stash up a whole lot of money in the, you know, in his twenties, and then essentially retired, and kind of, you know, and lives pretty frugally. But he kind of got good tips on on how to keep it simple, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we've kind of listening to that it has inspired us to go from a two-car family to a one-car family and and bike to work because you know we don't get enough exercise, so you know might as well make my commute that little bit of exercise even if it takes a little bit of time away from the family it's, it's yeah. a good use of time um you know kind of starting a a family budget and kind of tracking and making sure that we you know it's like you know it was easy before to you know spend money at the restaurants and and kind of those things but you know when you kind of organize things and figure out what's really important you're like you know, it's like maybe it's a once a month instead of a once a week kind of thing and all those kind of things. So I think we've sort of made some choice to, you know, my mom, uh, so my, my spouse stays at home with the, the kids. Uh, we're kind of a pretty close family. Uh, and, and, you know, we've kind of made some uh, conscious choice to to kind of keep things simpler and, and less spendy, but we've kind of replaced that with other things like you know, being able to go for hikes, uh, do some mushroom pickings, do some some more exploration like that of things that are already, you know, we live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. So it's like there's so many things to see around here. Um, so we got still the richness in our life without necessarily paying top dollars for it. Yeah, good advice. 
Um, if you could have a conversation with someone who died before you were born or, or when you were very young, who would that be and what would you talk about? I think I'd go and have a chat with Einstein. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah? And, uh, yeah, I, kind of, uh, I got a little bit of a science geek thing in, in me and I think uh, I would uh, talk about, you know, sort of the universe and, and uh, you know, there's a place when you start reading about quantum physics and those kind of those big theory, uh, or if you look at the very macro level, uh, so like the micro level, like, you know, if you look at quantum physics and if you look at astrophysics at the, you know, overall level, like you start touching on stuff that's pretty spiritual almost. Like, you know, there's this kind of a, a place there where, you know, you look at what religions have been trying to, uh, you know, teach or in, got inspired by and things like that. And you're like, you know, like, it, it's kind of as, uh, rooting in real life too and things like that and I think Einstein was kind of touching on some of that in his life with some of the, the you know there's, there's some physics formulas out there that are pre-transcending in terms of their the implication of what uh, what f the physical life is and, and things like that so yeah okay okay um, now you <clears throat> so you you were attracted to the to Vancouver Island and uh, quite some time ago um, you've chosen to have four children here and, and, and um, uh, grow a career and, and buy a business here. What is one thing every Vancouver Islander should do this year? Something that maybe most of us don't know about or don't know the value of? Um, well, there's definitely some, some great uh, thing in nature. Like, you know, we have some amazing parts. Rathkana Park is awesome. Um, you know, winter blues, uh, going up the mountain and going um, cross-country skiing. Like, you know, if you have lots of money, the, the alpine skiing is, you know, it's good and accelerating and you go fast and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but cross-country skiing is kind of like taking a nice big walk in the woods. And usually if you get up the mountain and can get out of the clouds, or even if you're in the clouds for that matter, you know, it's kind of fresh air, refreshing. Um, so I think that's been one of the things that we've, we've tried to do with uh, as a family. That's been awesome. Um, another thing that we've reappreciated, and we haven't done it since the, the twins were born, but on the May long weekend every year in Tofino, there's a little private island just across the harbor there and they have a free taxi ride and, and the owners of the island uh, kind of open it up to, to the public and it's got beautiful gardens, beautiful oh. fields, forests, and you, there's some trails that goes across the island and there's some amazing beaches on the other side with some caves and it's kind of a nice, it's just for the May long weekend. Um, and yeah, it's kind of a, a and it used to be like, it's got some history too. It used to be a, a, a Japanese settlement. It used to be the biggest part of Tofino area. Like there was a bigger settlement there than, than in Tofino itself. And so it's got some cool history to it. And yeah. Oh, okay. Um, well, that's, that's, that's something I've never heard about. Thank, thank you for sharing that. That's yeah. definitely something worth checking out. Um, <clears throat> if someone gave you $1 million to support local entrepreneurs, what three things would you do? Mm -hmm. I think I'll, I'll um, circle back to that idea of, of uh, planning. I think I would do some planning workshop, business planning workshop, where you can, you know, kind of test your ideas, get in challenge, uh, run them through the rink a little bit, maybe improve them and, and sharpen the, the, the saw a little bit there. Uh, I think that would be one thing. Um, Yeah, I'm trying to think of, you know, and, and maybe, you know, I, I think training, you know, it's like every entrepreneur is different. So I think at the end of the day, you know, what you can do to support them is, is you know, share some knowledge, 
that will help them be successful, right? So I think, you know, the business planning side is one of them. Uh, the actual software, like I think, you know, the, the teaching of, you know, training on, on actual software. Um, you know, the reality is some of the, you know, you got the, the bookkeeping part sometimes can be daunting for clients. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, if you can do a little bit of training and invest a little bit on doing that, um, you know, the reality is if, if a business owner can take a little bit of time to do it themselves, they'll get such a, a great feel of their business and, and be right on the pulse of it rather than running the business based on how much cash is in the bank kind of thing, um, which, you know, is a, is a gauge, but it's not necessarily the most accurate or the, the only gauge you want to be measuring there. And so, so that's what we find sometimes is people will, uh, business owners will sort of, you know, hire a bookkeeper that's external because they don't want to deal with the paperwork and, and takes time. And to be fair, traditional desktop software will take time. That was a revolution back in the 80s, but that revision has passed and, and there's a an next one coming up, which is a cloud. Um, and so, so yeah, they offset, they, they outsource the bookkeeping to somebody external and then they kind of run their business based on feel and what's in the bank and, and kind of roughly knowing where things should be at kind of thing. So, so I think bring that, back down we're able to set it up so that's automated and and so on and so forth so if you can do some training on that i mean we have some business owners that we work with that you know do it and their bookkeeping is up to date you know within 48 hours and so at any point in time they know if they've made a profit on that day or in that month and and if not what they need to do to adjust and and what they have for budgets for marketing or, or other promotions or things like that so um, I think you asked for three, so I'm going to think of the third one. But yeah, yeah those that, are the, the, those are two good ones. I mean, you don't need to okay. have three of them. Right. You're happy with that, yeah. What, what <laughs> advice do you have for young entrepreneurs on the island? Um, well, I think that concept that you know, once you jump, um, you know, it is a little bit like jump, jumping a cliff. So uh, you need a parachute. And so, you know, to prep, you know, do a business plan. Your parachute will be your business plan. And, and you know, in some cases, if you can have a sort of a part-time job while you start the other ones, uh, you know, that can work as somewhat of a parachute too. But, you know, hedging your, hedging your risk essentially of, of, of failing and sinking too much into it. Uh, but doing a business plan, doing a financial forecast, get help if you need it, get the training if you need it, uh, and, but get also feedback. So line yourself up with some, some experienced uh, business people um, and you know, people smarter than you or, or that have more experience than you and get them to challenge your assumptions, challenge your, your, your concepts and, and take it in, right? Like, you know, there, there's some, you know, there's some things that might come out that, you know, will, um, you know, you won't find necessarily pleasant and, and, you know, it's up to you after that to take or, or leave it. But, you know, if you can go through that process, uh, it will kind of refine your, uh, help you build your parachute essentially. And so that when you do the jump, it's, you're not building it all from scratch as you follow. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is a vision question. And like you've invested a big chunk of yourself and, and your family into this community. What, what will your community look like in 25 years if all went according to your plans and wishes? In 25 years. Uh, so I'll be, what, yeah, I'll be 
you know, in my 60s at that time. Um, I think I'd like, you know, I live in the, I live in Courtney, I work in Comox, uh, and I'm back to work, and, and I find that the Comox road there, I, I like to see a little bit more of the, sort of that biking infrastructure come into place. I think we've got a, a great community, that a beautiful place we live in, but the reality is that the bike infrastructure is really kind of separated, so, you know, that's sort of something that's come to mind there, like, you know, a bike path across the Comox, uh, the dike road, uh, joining uh, Courtney and Comox, and same kind of thing, like something to join East Courtney and West Courtney. Uh, it's all kind of separated there, but so that would be a good thing. Uh, I'd like to see, I really like the concept of city uh, food production. Um, and so to see more of that, like there's some great organization like Lush Valley in the valley and the, the, you know, got a great farmer's market and all of that, but to be able to see things like uh, chickens in backyards and, and more orchards and, and food productions along, uh, at the local level, that'd be great. Um, I think in 25 years, hopefully that we'll have flying cars and we won't need to be talking about the third bridge crossing. <laughs> <laughs> so, something like that, right? Uh, yeah, health, healthy, healthy estuary, lots of salmon still, um, and vibrant, you know, keep the place beautiful or, or, and or make it more beautiful even. Okay, thanks. Those are great. Um, I, certainly, I certainly share some of that vision. Um, the last two questions are very personal, kind of about you kind of things. What is something or something's quirky about Fabian Gendron that most people don't know about? Um, there's probably a few things I can do. I'll try to keep it. Succinct. So I got here uh, back in 2003. I did a bike trip across Canada. So well, from Montreal to here. So that's how I ended up here. Um, so it took a summer off and, and bicycle across, uh, and I should have stretched more during that trip too, because I, I got really <laughs> short hamstring muscles from, from that trip. Uh, but yeah, we kind of camped along the way and, you know, it was beautiful. Like, you know, it took about two months. And so I slept in 60 different communities across the country and, and visited with, you know, probably about the same amount of people in, in those communities because we would always meet people and, and get to chat and things like that. So it was a, a great, a great kind of, again, kind of a cliff jumping kind of thing because, you know, you're going mm -hmm. out and, and you'll be exposed to elements and, and things like that. And people have our real warm heart across the country. Um, sure. Other things quirky, I trained as a sushi chef. That's what I worked for for probably a couple of years when I first got here. Uh, Who did you work for? Uh, it was the Rockfish Sushi Bar that oh, used yeah. to be kind yeah. of... Um, yeah. I, I know, yeah. 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 Uh, At the, the little strip mall across from the Driftwood Mall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a great place to learn. It was a great little team and they had some great sushi. Uh, kind of a, a secret dream to start a sushi restaurant so that you can just have you know, the diversity of sushi at a reasonable price at yeah. some point. Yeah. Um, I used to do lots of meditation in, in top of yoga to have. Um, there was a, probably a similarly, probably not for as long as time as I was doing yoga, but I, I was doing quite a bit of meditation, uh, Buddhist style, kind of style of meditation, and did like a 10-day retreat. And that was kind of a, a really good influence on my life. And again, probably something that, you know, would, uh, on my list to pick up again at some point, but uh, I remember doing that 10-day retreat. You'll need and... that when your kids become teenagers. 
No. <laughs> yeah, well, I got a couple of years before I get there. Yeah, yeah the yeah. time to practice. <laughs> yeah. So, what's your favorite place? You so you mentioned you know sushi, and I remember rockfish, and I I um I, I was sad to sad to see it go. What's your favorite place to eat in the whole world? Um, in terms of our restaurants, uh, locally here, I really like uh, really like locals, white whale. Uh, just as much in terms of setting as as for the food itself. Um, I always welcome a trip to um, the big city of Vancouver to get some some really good sushi there too. We have got some good sushi in town here, but the price. Okay, so where's your favorite where's your favorite sushi place in Vancouver? Uh, you know what? I would have to remember the name there. There's a. Just tell us location. You know what? I know when I walked there, and I don't know. There was a really nice little restaurant. Uh, it was close to um, to Stanley Park, uh, and it had one big table uh, that was a big kind of wooden slab uh-huh. table. Uh, everybody there was probably room to sit like thirty people around it, and they had some of the um, uh, certified like net catch. Uh, Right. seafood there and so they had like not a huge menu but everything was fresh delicious um and i think you know i remember going there with a party of five and you know for under 50 bucks we had eaten our food kind of thing and oh, so okay the quality was there and, and uh, it was kind of a great setting because you're sitting beside strangers you know you're kind of at the yeah. a big table and so kind of got the community atmosphere uh and i wish i remembered the name or the i'll put it on a I'll email it to you if I can Google it. Okay, well, maybe one of the listeners will uh, know this place close to Stanley Park with a big slab table, shared table, sushi, great stuff that Fabian loves. Fabian, thank you so much for uh, taking the time this morning to, um, for this podcast. Uh, tell us again how we can find your company. Uh, best way, uh, Google Duncan and Co. Uh, you'll find our website there, and from there, there's plenty of uh, you know. You'll have our phone number, uh, all of our emails, and so on and so forth. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, uh, either me or and or the the company itself. Okay, great. And uh, you you guys work with clients all over the place. If you happen to be in Vancouver or Chicago or Montreal listening to this, um, you can still work with duncanandco.ca. Indeed. Okay. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thanks, Hans. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lift Podcast, a series all about the entrepreneurs, the creatives, and the resource people who are growing businesses on Vancouver Island. If you liked what you heard, please share via via email and social media. That's a great way for you to help local businesses and local entrepreneurs. And if you are sharing via social media, please use the island's talent tag. That's hashtag W-E-A-R-E-V-A-N-I-S-L. That's We Are Van Isle. This is one of the tools we've created to promote entrepreneurs on the island and your helps appreciate it and if you'd like to join the lift community please visit liftstartups.ca 
and fill in the application form. See you soon.